Welcome to the Yellow Balloons podcast. The beginning of any new endeavor can be challenging. There are unique practices, new language, and so many questions about the way things are supposed to work. This newness can be tricky to navigate and sometimes downright frustrating. In this series, we'll focus on addressing questions that people who are new to Christianity or are just starting to engage with scripture might have. We hope these conversations will inspire and encourage you to more fully participate in the kingdom of God. Most Christians struggle with how to answer the questions and skepticism from their non-believing friends. Sharing life with non-Christians is a delicate balance, so in this episode, we talk about how to be a witness without using words. We also discuss how to adjust to a new life in Christ without degrading or alienating your relationships. A commitment to Christ changes everything. There will be challenges while navigating non-Christian relationships, but within that challenge, there is also opportunity. One of the things that happens, maybe it's happening to you as a new Christian, is you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You feel transformed. You're excited about something new going on in your life, but all the same people are still in your life. And maybe, probably, if you're a new Christian, a lot of the people around you are not Christians. And so that can create some unusual and awkward situations. Maybe your spouse isn't a Christian. Maybe your kids aren't Christians. Uh, Maybe your friends and associates at work aren't Christians. And so I think this opens up kind of a whole Pandora's box of relationship. So I'm now a Christian. We've talked a lot about all the interaction with other Christians and church. And what about folks in my circle that aren't Christians? How do I deal with that? I know for me personally, there's been some awkwardness around that initially. Like it's all washed out over time. But for example, my dad, I come from a Jewish family. My dad was offended when I announced that I was now a believer. And it took time for us to work our way through that. It had nothing to do with me being a Christian with him. In fact, it was just, well, you didn't consult me. How come you didn't oh, consult me? Interesting. You know, I'm your mentor. I'm one of your mentors. And you never mm. came to me. In my case with my dad, I knew where he stood. My dad's an atheist. And so I knew that my whole life. So when I'm, when I'm exploring whether... Whether I'm going to give my life to Jesus, I'm not going to go to the atheist I know and say, hey, you know, is this a good idea? Um, my brother was initially really upset. Okay. Thought I was uh, influenced by other people I was hanging out with, specifically you. Yeah. It's like, well, I think you're just under the influence of this guy, Tim Dunn. Mm-hmm. And so people see this, and, and I think there's some not necessarily irrational fear in the part of your relationship, like, so are you going to be completely different now? Are you a different person? Are we not going to want to hang out with you? And so do you guys have experience dealing with this? And you guys have discipled, both of you over your lives, discipled a lot of people who became Christians. So what advice do you have for somebody who is stepping across that line of faith and saying, I'm giving my life to Jesus Christ? Well, the first thing I would say is that, you know, it, it is jarring. It's jarring for you as a new believer to to chose to choose this new path, to have chosen it and to be committed to it. And I think that uh, you've got to allow that it's going to be jarring for some people around you. That's a fair response by, uh, by the people who are around you. And yeah, you know, I, I grew up kind of in a, in a Christian upbringing and have sort of always been in it, but I do mentor a lot of young people who, who make this, this change into this and, and have experienced this difficulty. And, you know, this isn't to trivialize it, but, we, we go through these kinds of things a lot. Like we have friends that we've been very close to. They live across the street from us. We just like found out we're pregnant with twins and they're just like, 
our whole, you're going to change. Your priorities are going to change. Your right. heart's going to change. Yeah. <laughs> and what is that going to do to us and, and to our friendship? And, and that, you know, we've had some frank conversations with them saying like, that is such a fair, you're right. I mean, you're right. But at the same time, like, I'm not planning to like abandon you or leave you or not be me. In fact, I think this is maybe uh, the most me that, that I, I've ever been. So, you know, I think I would say start with not being defensive. I think it's easy to be like, you should be happy for me. You should support right. me and, and kind of demand that people and try to get them to uh, try to control them a little bit. And I, I think I would start with kind of recognizing, like, I understand, you know, this is, you know, maybe a surprise for me too. And it's a bit jarring and hard for me to get used to. And, and so uh, to give them some space to, to feel that way. But at the same time, um, people appreciate just honesty and clarity. And so to be able to say, to not waver and say things like, well, I'm going to try this for a while, but this is the path that I've chosen. And, and it may mean that I, there's some changes. I may not be out drinking with you as much, but I'm still going to be your friend and be available. Um, so just being clear about what those changes look like and maybe emphasizing the, you know, the, the, the positive truths of what lies ahead of this path for you. Yeah, and I, I don't. I actually don't have much experience with this because of the same thing. I've I've really grown up in and around the church. I have more experience with the other direction of people leaving, you know, like right. abandoning the faith and and going and, and going away from it. But or or people coming in to you know coming in and 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 the question of receiving. But I heard somebody say something the other day. I thought was really good. Is that. Uh, the best way to win other people to Christ is through new believers because their friends are still unbelievers. Right. And so there's a moment there where there's a tremendous opportunity to serve those people. And it may be that your life starts to change in ways that causes some of the uh, shared, share, things you shared before stop. You may stop taking drugs with somebody or or something like that. <clears throat> but I would think in most cases, most friends and, and family, whatever, they're still friends or family. And so then the question is, okay, how can I now serve these people? And if you approach it from the standpoint of, look, I, I've chosen a new path, and my path is one to seek the best for others, uh, how can I seek your best? I, I, pro I probably mostly focused on me. I'm, I'm trying to learn a new thing about focusing on you. I would think it would be hard for someone to say, no, 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 that's, that's wrong. You should never do anything for me or focus on me. You should just focus on yourself. Right. And you could say, if, if, if someone did resist that, you could say, I'm already an expert at that. <laughs> we all are. <laughs> we all are. So that's easy. If you want me just to focus on myself, then I'd say, well, I've chosen a new path. Aren't you happy for right. me? Why are why I am focusing on myself yeah. and what I think is in my best interest so we don't have a problem. So you, you kind of you frame that where it's you win either way if you do that. Now, I would guess from what I know of you, that's actually what's happened in time. Yeah, is that absolutely. People have seen, oh, well, this has actually made things better because there's that he's coming from a deeper reservoir of, of uh, security and, and of, uh, uh, of uh, purpose. And, and actually it's spilling over on me in a positive way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would say that's happened for sure. And part of it is 
It's part of it is what I learned from you. We talked about this in another segment about what is evangelism. Mm -hmm. And so I never, as I went through my faith awakening, I never felt the need to try to cause other people to be awakened in a direct sense. Like I never said, hey, you, you need to know what I went through because you need what I needed. Mm -hmm. It was, it's always been, I'm just going to live in the best of my ability to live a sanctified life, right? Try to live mm -hmm. as God would want me to live. And I hope that by doing that, that the people who are closest to me will be positively affected by that. And then they'll want to know, like, why do you live like this? That's really fascinating you bring that up because we did a sec segment on what is the will of God. And we looked at that verse in First Thessalonians 4, this is the will of God, your sanctification. Right. It's worth... It's worth reflecting on. It does not say this is the will of God evangelism. You convert everybody right. around you. Because I imagine part of the questions or concerns people, your loved ones would have is like, are you going to start trying to Absolutely. aggressively evangelize yeah. me? Everybody's worried about that. And yeah. I think Christians, I think we have done a poor job of this. Historically, we fall into the, you know, one ditch or the other. Mm -hmm. The one being we just become this like militant, conversion machine and we just every time and you know, your friends are like oh man Mark's coming over he's just gonna like ask me if I know right. where I'm going to heaven right. when I die a hundred times again like so we just like get so focused on it that we that's all we're we, ineffective at it we're ineffective or we uh become little silos we you know just huddle up together and have no engagement with anyone who believes differently which is one of the things I like about New York, you know, you you do. Uh, I, I did a writers group for a while, all kinds of different beliefs. So you, you know, the we've got to learn how to like be in in common spaces with. And, and I think that the the process of evangelism is be in these spaces, be with these people, love them, serve them, and let that be the testimony that that speaks for itself. And like the Bible says, be ready to give account. So when someone is saying like you know, if you're carrying around like Tim was saying after your after you became a Christian, you got more peace, more of a sense of purpose. When someone notices that, I'd be like, what is up with you? It's been the last year or so I've noticed this change, and you'd be ready to kind of give, give an adequate answer. Well, you, you actually said this in your testimony. You saw James Dobson watched him interact with people and said, I want that. He never said a word to you. Never. In the whole thing. So evangelism, should we be evangelizing? Yes, 100% of the time. How do you do that? Be sanctified. Right. Live a sanctified life. And so I think a big part of it is just going about life in a way that is attractive enough where people want to say, okay, all right, so tell me exactly what this is that's happened to you. And I would say, well, I now have knowledge to walk in a way that's actually productive for me and an extra power to do so. Leave it at that. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I think you're saying something important in a more general sense, which is less is more mm -hmm. in that situation. People do have this fear, I think. And I've talked to people in my life about it subsequently. Like, so what are you going to be now? Are you going to be militant? Are you going to be somehow judgmental. radically prudish, mm -hmm. judgmental? You're going to look at me and you expect me to go to church with you every week? All the stereotypes that are promoted. Uh, uh, as, as antagonisms, as antagonistic against Christianity. Correct. 
Uh, and many of them, to be fair, well-earned over, over yeah. time, right? Yeah. And so for me it was, and you said this, Joey, I think it's really important, understand that other people are going to feel that way. And understand that you're going to feel a little bit worried about it. The one thing that I really want to caution people is don't be afraid to share your faith. Absolutely. Right? Don't be militant not. about it. But for me, the way that has worked is just credit to God where it's due, which is pretty much everywhere. Mm -hmm. And so what it means is just different ways that I phrase things. So somebody would say, man, you're so lucky. And mm -hmm. I would say, yeah, God has really blessed me. Yeah. That's a very minor thing, right? I could just say, yeah, I'm really lucky. And that's what I would have said in the past. But I'm going to say, yeah, God's really blessed me because I want them to know that when on my walk, I understand where all this stuff comes from. And that causes somebody else, I think, to be curious. Mm -hmm. It's like Mark now says God blessed him. Mm -hmm. Like that's different than what he used to say. And so I try to throw mm -hmm. phrases like that in regularly. It's natural for me. What's well, authentic? Yeah, it's. I mean, just, it's an, it's not something you're saying to bait somebody. No, to put to, it's, it's not, true. It's just it's a it's an extension of who you are and what you're doing. I do I do something similar in that my my way of thinking has been so shaped by the Bible. I'll just routinely say, you know, this Bible verse or this biblical principle or something like that, and people know when you're saying that in a sense of. I'm now judging and coercing you. Right. I agree with that. And when you're saying it in a sense of this is where this came from mm -hmm. and what I'm attached to. Right. And if you're always doing it from the standpoint of this is why I do what I do and this is why, why I'm functioning in this way, I don't find people get offended by that. Oh, I agree with that. And even, you know, most of my life as a non-believer, for most of my life, that didn't bother me at all. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. Yeah. And you kind of get a feel for where somebody's coming from. Yeah. So the key is, like you said, if you're not doing it in a self-righteous, judgmental, well, if you were a believer, you would know <laughs> X, right? right? Yeah. You would know that the Bible, I know you don't know what the Bible says, but the Bible says X. And so the key you're, is... You're obviously inferior, yeah, exactly. <laughs> let me explain why. The key is authenticity, as mm -hmm. you said. And, you know, for a new believer, we don't know any of that scripture, right? So for us, it's just... You know, we can credit God for our internal mm -hmm. transformation, and that's really where it starts. And I think that's profound, and that is true evangelism. And I also think this is really important. When you're a new believer, you really don't know anything in the knowledge sense, yeah. right? You haven't studied Scripture. You don't know the Bible. And so there can be a hesitancy to share that you've become a person of faith because you feel like you have to have all this knowledge. It's also very important to recognize what you do and don't control. Mm -hmm. And you don't make choices for other people. Right. And you're not responsible, none of us are responsible for the choices that are the stewardship of other people. What we're responsible for is to walk our walk of sanctification and do be good stewards of our choices as an example and a testimony to other people and for our own benefit. It's a win-win. It's a Other people are responsible for their choices. We, we're, not, we're not ordered to coerce people into the kingdom or... Uh, to the contrary. Yeah, to the contrary. You know, we're, we're, we're told to love them in, and that you do that, you do that with words and deeds, but it's mainly a lifestyle. 
Well, yeah, and I think a lot of Christians, whether they're new or old, feel this like pressure about, oh my gosh, I like have these non-Christian friends. I'm supposed to, you know, I'm you know letting God down, or I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing if, if you know, they're not also converting uh, to be believers. And uh, you know, yeah, I just think it's a it's an unfortunate pressure that that we put on ourselves because you know we do this with college students, even the ones who are kind of oversee like the Christian formation and their smaller communities that we have at the school. We say like, you're not responsible for people's faith. That's not a burden we're placing on you. What we're asking is that you help provide atmospheres where it's easier for people to meet and hear about Jesus. And then they're, you know, they're going to make choices, which also makes me think of, you know, Tim mentioned in one of our other segments, the like spiritual gift or like gentleness and how a lot of that is seeing from other people's perspective. And at the college, not all those students are Christian. And it has just spoken immensely to them, I think, when I sit down with them and I'm just trying to understand or listen to what they're saying. We're predominantly Christian school, so we do a lot of things that are, you know, worship music will have. And sometimes I sit down and I'll ask a non-Christian student, like, hey, I know we just had this big gathering, all school gathering where we did worship. And you're not a Christian. How does how do you feel about that? What are some things we like? Basically, just acknowledge. I understand that this is weird right. for you, uh, and just that is, I think, like helps people to feel seen and less judged. I, I think we've unfortunately gotten in this, like, you either have to be actively, militantly trying to convert, or you have to be doing nothing. And there is like a space in between, which is more effective and I think more true. Uh, to, to what the Bible lays out. I would say on, and on the hard end of this that you might lose some relationships, yeah. right? And it's not your choice, like you said. Right. But people make their own decisions and people, you know, use the example of I'm going to stop doing drugs and there might be people like, well... Then I have nothing yeah, in common like, with well, you anymore. This is what we do together. We party <laughs> right. together, right? Yeah. And so what do you mean you're not doing drugs? Yeah. Who are you? I don't even recognize you right. anymore, right? Yeah, maybe. And so... I think the question in that case that as a new believer, you got to ask yourself, well, one, is that, was that even a real friend? And the answer is no, no. right? But also just at, at what, what am I willing to, to give? What am I willing to do for this life that I believe is so important, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a gift from God, but still you may be called to sacrifice. Right. And so if you are, are you willing to? You know, I, there's a question I ask my interns all the time, and I ask them not to answer it. It's kind of a funny question, but I always <laughs> ask my interns, uh, what are you willing to die for? Mm-hmm. I think it's a really important question. Mm-hmm. It's an existential, big kind of question. Why are we here kind of a question? And I don't think anybody really knows the answer to the question unless you faced it, right? So people can say, Christians, pretty much every Christian I talk to would say, well, I would die for my faith, right? I would not renounce my Lord and Savior at the point of a gun. I actually don't know if we actually know that. We say that, I think we should say that, should believe that, but until that gun's in your face, you don't know. Would you die for your family? So the three that I hear all the time, for my faith, for my God, for my family, and for my country. I hear those all the time, right? I don't know if that's true. And I I just want the young people to think about those things because we should think about serious things. I had a, a girl who was 19 years old at the time, who, who I spent a lot of time with. She's kind of been adopted by her family. Her name's Amanda. And we're sitting around in my kitchen one night. She was staying with us. 
it's probably midnight. We're just having long philosophical discussions. She said, you know that question you always ask people about uh, what, what you would die for? And I said, yeah. And you, she said, it's, it's always bothered me because you always say it's so hard to answer. And I said, well, yeah, I don't, I don't think you can really know. And she goes, oh, I, I think it's really obvious and really easy to answer. I said, okay, how? And she said, well, just look what people live for. Like, are, are they living a sanctified life, right? Because mm-hmm. I would say, and she said, if you're not trying to live a sanctified life, then you wouldn't die for God. That's ridiculous. You're not even willing to put in your effort into living for God. I think she's on to it because yeah, uh, the, the Bible actually says we're supposed to die every day to self. Right. And, and uh, interestingly enough, if we do that, we're actually dying for ourselves. Right. Because that's what that's what actually allows us to live and thrive. Right. And the, the greater love has no one this than you lay down your life for a friend. Right. And when you do that, you find yourself. Right. And so it's you either have a lose lose or a win win in this life. Right. It's kind of the way it works. So and the reason I bring that up is because you uh, in your walk as a new Christian, you may find yourself sacrificing relationships along the way. There's a biblical passage here that occurred to me that is worth bringing up. There's a passage, a kind of a famous passage in Romans uh, 10 that that's, I'm going to paraphrase it. This is starting in verse 14 if you want to look at it. But it says um, it's a really good for people to go and share the gospel. It's really great. It's a wonderful thing. Um, how beautiful are the feet for those who preach the gospel of peace. Okay, So that's, that's, that's part A. And then part B, it goes on and says... But if, if they don't hear from you, they saw from nature. And then it quotes from Psalm 19, the sound has gone out to the earth and the words to the ends of the earth speaking of the stars and, the, and creation. So you can take from that that I, it's really awesome to live this life and speak these words. It's a wonderful thing to do. Everybody needs to hear that. But you're just one of many voices, the stars and everything around you. God is speaking to every single person. Every single day, constantly, it's a privilege, not a, a responsibility, I mean, uh, not a burden. It's to, not on you. It's not on you. It's a privilege for you to do that, not a good thing, but it's not on you. Thanks for listening to the Yellow Balloons podcast. If you want more information on adopting a God-centered perspective, visit our website at yellowballoons.net. And if you have any questions related to what you just heard, we would love to hear from you please email us at contact at yellowballoons.net. Thanks for listening.